0: the spirit of Christ in this place. He's worthy to be praised, (laughs) worthy to be glorified. I told y'all that if Bishop was here last week, the first joke he would make would be about me being single. So since that's already covered, we can just go ahead straight to the word. But I do want to give Bishop honor. He, He is a great covering, and I'm thankful for the covering and the apostolic authority that we have at this church thankful God has blessed us with that I want to thank also the staff and all the ministry and the five-fold ministry and everybody in their respective places and the saints of God because you have welcomed me I've been here for it's going on two years now and um, I'm just thankful I'm just thankful that I have a church body that I can rely on, that loves me and I love them. We need each other in this walk. We can't do this by ourselves. We cannot do this alone. And so I'm thankful for that, thankful for each one of you. Thank you, sir. I want us to, if we could stand and go to Acts chapter number 28. I never know what to say with the music, I just, it'll be awkward when I ask them to come back up too, so don't worry. Verse uh, number one, we were in Acts chapter number 27 last week, and we want to continue with the story where we left off. In Acts chapter number 28, verse 1, and we're going to go, I believe, through verse 9. Or actually verse 10, according to my notes. It says, and when they had escaped, they then learned that the island was called Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging from his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, Yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Now they were expecting that he should have swollen or suddenly fallen down dead. But after a great while and seeing no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were the possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and a bloody flux. Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also on the island who had diseases came and were healed. These also honored us with many honors when we departed. They laded us with things as were necessary. You may be seated. Last week, uh, we talked about God using wrecks. And so we kind of went through the story of how Paul got into this particular predicament that we find him in in the text. Uh, So we went through how he uh, was sent to various kings, and he was able to testify before Festus, and Festus ended up causing him to uh, go into a boat and on his way to Caesar. He was a prisoner. He was bound in chains and he was found himself here after a shipwreck. And so here we find Paul on an island. He doesn't have a clue where he is. And if I were him, I would be sitting back wondering, how did I get to this spot? How did I get to this situation? You understand the book of Acts. We talked a little bit about the book of Acts last week. And one thing I forgot to mention is that the book of Acts is a book of mission. It's something, it's a book that calls God's people into the mission field. I'm not called to be a missionary to a foreign country. I have been to foreign countries. I will not live in foreign countries. There is nothing like, I'm not a big fan of Walmart, but there is nothing like knowing that if my vacuum breaks at two in the morning or I want something to eat, I can just run out and get it. That's not a luxury that everybody outside of America has. And I'm thankful that I live in this country, and this is where God has called me to be. But I do have a heart for missionaries. I love to talk to missionaries when they come through. I love to be around missionaries. I love to hear the stories of missionaries. And we oftentimes flock to missionaries because they usually have great stories of how God has used them in foreign countries, and we have seen the hand of God on our missionaries in the United Pentecostal Church. And I believe that's why God has blessed this organization like it has, is because we have a missionary focus. We have a focus on world missions. But even though we have a focus on world missions at an organizational standpoint, we too have a mission field here. Every single one of us has a mission field It may be on your job. It may be in your home. It may be on your day to day life. But every day we ought to be waking up thinking, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to reach? Because that's how we're going to take this city. We're going to take this city by being a group of people that is serious about the mission that God has called us to do. I'm serious about the gospel. I'm thankful somebody, I got into a conversation not too long ago, somebody said, do you really believe that, you know, it, it, you have to be born again to be saved? Does it take all of that? Does you really believe that everybody who hasn't been born of the water and of the spirit is going to go to hell? And, you know, I, I, the, the longer I'm in this thing, the, the more thankful that, I'm, that God has provided a way at all. There's only one way, but I'm thankful that there is a way, and because there is a way, I want to tell everybody that I know that there is a way that you can be saved. There is a way that you can come off of drugs. There is a way that you can come out of alcoholism. There is a way to be delivered. There is a way to be set free. There is a way called holiness, and it can set you free. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that God has given us this great salvation, this gospel. Bible says that Paul knew about this mission that he had. In Acts chapter number 16, 5 through 10. I want to highlight some things that happened while Paul was on his journey. says in verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through, I don't know what that place is, but Perga, Ferga, something like that, and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they assay, assayed to go into Bithynia, but the spirit suffered them not. I'm thankful that this town is called San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) Lord. And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us After he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. There's a couple of things I want you to notice from these verses. Number one is Paul was spirit led in his mission. We are in the last days. God is about to end this thing. I really do believe that. We are coming to the end, the end of the end. And in these last and evil days, we as the people of God need to make sure that we are spirit led in our mission field, that every day we are waking up and we are asking God, lead me and guide me. Tell me when to go. Tell me what to say. We don't want to operate in our flesh even at our jobs. We don't want to operate in our flesh even when we're at the store. We want to know that we are connected to the Savior at all times so that whenever he needs to use us, he can use us. I want to be used mightily in this last day by God. And in order for me to be used by God, I've got to make sure that I am connected to the source of my anointing. I've got to be connected to the Holy Spirit constantly. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. And so they were constantly led by the Spirit. Bible says the Holy Ghost would forbid them to go to a certain place. And when the Holy Ghost said don't go, they didn't go. When the Holy Ghost said stop, they stopped. When the Holy Ghost, bless you, would close the door, they just stood there and they waited for the Holy Ghost to give direction. Sometimes God will close doors on us. Sometimes. We'll think we're doing the right thing and we're going the right direction. And sometimes God will close a door and slam it shut in our face. But I came to tell you tonight that if God has closed a door for you, it means that he's watching out for your soul. And if you are obedient to God and you don't try to break that door down, I can guarantee you that God is going to open up another door. And the Bible says that when he opens a door, no man can shut it. If you are obedient to God, I can promise you that he will reward your obedience. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent so if he said it he will do it you can trust God that if you sacrifice anything for the kingdom of God that he will give it right back to you it may be a struggle sometimes but trust that God has your back trust that God has your best interests in mind He is leading us and guiding us. And I want to make sure that I am in the will of God. When I was going to come on staff, I was uh, in a point in my career where I was getting a little restless. I I wanted to just kind of go. I wanted to get out of here. I I love y'all. I do. But. San Antonio's hot, and I just like, Lord, you know, there's some things I want to do in my career, there's some places I want to go, and my windows of opportunity were opening up, and there were a whole lot of things in front of me. You can do A, B, C, or D, and, and you just have all these options, and all of them were going to take me right up out of here, and uh, I remember on a Wednesday night, it was Reverend Barlow, preached and he said in the sermon he said there's somebody in this room that you have four or five different roads that you can go down and you better make the right choice because your soul is at stake and I remember sitting in that sanctuary, and God had already been dealing with me. This is where you're supposed to be. This is where you're supposed to be. Don't leave. Don't move. And I was like, God, you just want me to stay here and and, uh, just sit here? Somebody said, yeah. That's probably what he was saying, yeah. And I remember going to Brother Moore's office and telling him how I felt. And, you know, long story short, We prayed and it all came together that I ended up on staff, and it was the Lord's will. But I told the Lord, God, you told me to go into the Air Force. I remember distinctly when the Lord told me to go in, and you're going to have to tell me to get out. And He spoke clearly and gave me direction to get out. We can't take those things lightly, saints. When God tells us to move, we've got to move. And if God tells us to stay, hold on and wait, doesn't matter how long it takes. Wait for the Lord to speak, because in this last hour, there's too much at stake for us to get outside of the will of God. So God was clearly in these verses leading Paul is directing Paul. Paul was listening to the direction of the Lord. He was being obedient. He was going where the Holy Ghost told him to go and doing what the Holy Ghost told him to do. And so I started to ask the Lord, why if Paul was being obedient and all you had to really do, Paul was faithful, all you had to do to Paul to get him to go to a place Was tell him, give him a vision, speak to him in a dream. Why did you have to put him on a boat in the sea and shipwreck the boat to get him to the island called Malta? Why? You could have just told him, go to Malta. There's some people here that need to be healed, get up and go. He did it before. We read it in the book where he did it. He got, gave him a vision and said, just go. And he went. So why did you have to shipwreck him to get him in position? And sometimes that's how we feel. God, I know that I just learned a valuable lesson from my shipwreck, but you didn't really have to do it that way. You ever argue with God like that? You could have just told me. You could have just had a preacher come and tell me this. Why did you make me learn this this way? When I've been faithful, Some of us, we get into trouble and it's not our fault. We've been faithful. And don't let anybody tell you that when you get into a situation, it's because you did something wrong. It's not because you did something wrong. You can be faithful. You can be a tithe payer. You can be a prayer and a faster and still go through fire and tribulation. Sometimes it's nothing that we had done. Paul had to be thinking, God, I'm sure there's a purpose. Because, you know, every time we hear that all the time. There's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose. There's something. And then most of us can look back and we can say, oh, yeah, I see the purpose. But really, God, did you have to do it like that? Why? God was leading Paul. I started looking for the answer, and I, I think I found a few answers. One in Acts chapter number 17, 1 through 4, and then 16 through 18, 1 through 4. I want to read them quickly. It says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Let's actually go to, let's go to verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. And when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of your guess is good as mine. And of the Stoics encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seeth to be a set, seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So why did I read those verses? There's a trend when Paul would go into a city. First thing he would do is he would go into a synagogue, find a local synagogue, and he'd reason in the synagogue with the Jews. He'd debate with the Jews. He'd go and try to convince them that Jesus was the Christ. And if they didn't receive it, the Bible says he'd leave them and he'd go out into the streets, try to find the Gentiles, who at that time were Greeks and they were educated, and he could speak to them based on his intellect and was able to convince some of Jesus Christ. So this was his typical way of reaching a city, and it was working. He would go. Some people would respond to the word of God. Some people would respond to his intellect. He must have been a smart man. And so those were what he knew. But when you look at the people on the island called Melita, verse number 2 in uh, Acts chapter number 28, If you're reading in the King James, it uses a specific word I want you to catch. It says in verse number two, I think in the New King James, it says the natives, they were a little nicer, but it says, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received us. Everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. So you're dealing with a different type of people. The word barbaros in the Greek, this is from Strong's. It says used by the Greeks of any foreigner ignorant of the Greek language, whether mental or moral with the added notion after the Persian War of rudeness and brutality, which means at first it was just for somebody who didn't know the Greek language, and then later on it started to be used as a negative word with negative connotations, where we get barbarian from. We usually when I think of barbarians, I think of the people that Bishop always talks about eating folk overseas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Those folks... But that's not what this word means. It meant that they just did not know the Greek language. And some theologians would say that also they were not familiar with Greek culture. The word is used in the New Testament without the idea of reproachfulness. So this was used in the nice way. So when the Bible uses it, it's not calling them barbarians. It's just nicely saying they didn't know Greek. And so, what we can gather from this is that Paul could not go to these people because they did not speak the same language and convince them with intellect. doesn't mean they were unintelligent. They didn't speak the same. They weren't steeped in the same culture. They didn't have the same frame of reference. He couldn't go to them like he went to the Jews in the synagogue and deal with them, see... There are people out there in this world, when we meet them, they already have an idea of who Christ is. And so we can wrestle with the scriptures with them because culturally they are Christian. And we have to use wisdom to know when we open up the word of God with this person, how we approach this person based on their background. But some people, they don't have a scriptural background. They don't have a clue what's in the book. And there are some people that we're going to be able to reach with the word of God. And there are some people we're going to be able to reach with our intellect. But there's some people that are only going to be reached with our testimony. These people could not. They could not deal with Paul on that intellectual level or on that spiritual level. All they knew is what they saw. And what you've got to understand is sometimes God brings you through certain situations because there are people watching you. And there are people looking at you. And there are people waiting to see how you're going to respond. And it's a witness to them when you go through trial and tribulation. And you don't crack under pressure. But you still lift up your hands. And you still say "God, to God be the glory for the things that he has done. They will be able to look at you and see that the God that they serve must be real. And that must be the one true. God Sometimes, we can't just talk our way to people. Sometimes, you got to understand people are watching you when you don't even realize it. They are waiting for you to fail. They're waiting to see what are they going to do. They're hiding in the bushes just wondering, is is there something that's going to cause them to break? We are a witness to the power of God. I've got one more scripture to back that one up. I'm going to go to John chapter number 9. I'm going to, it's verse number one through verse number nine. I'm going to read quickly. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, of course, folks, as soon as something happens, they say, well, whose fault is this? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must works the, work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man, no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and clay. Made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said unto them, unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. The point of this text is to show that sometimes we go through things not because we did anything wrong, but because God is going to use the situation we're going through to be a witness to somebody else. It's one thing to say that God can bring you out. It's, one, it's another thing to say, I know that God can bring you out because he brought me out. I know that God can heal your body because he healed my body. I know that God can bring you off of alcohol because he got me off of alcohol. I know that God can bring you off drugs because he got me off drugs. I know God can save your soul because he saved my soul. Sometimes the most powerful thing we have is our testimony of how good God has been to us. So he went through, ended up on the island, and when Paul was on this island, we're going to go back to verse number, chapter number 28. I know we're jumping back and forth, but this is what we're going to end up doing today. Acts chapter number 28, verse 3. They were watching him. We're wondering, what is he going to do? Verse number three says, and Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Paul, when he was shipwrecked, could have done what I probably would have done and complained. Said the food wasn't good. It was cold. I need another blanket. (sighs) Tired frustrated i've been on this boat with these people i don't like they didn't listen to me i could just see myself in this situation right now and but that's not what he did His said bible said he gathered a bundle bundle of sticks and i remember i was going through some things and god brought me to this verse and something spoke to me about him gathering a bundle of sticks and laying them on the fire We will come to times in our life where we're stranded and we feel like we're alone and we feel like we can't tell anybody what's going on and we feel like we're in a struggle and we feel like we're in a storm. In the midst of that, make sure you do one thing and that's kindle your fire. When you're in the midst of the situation, make sure that your fire does not go out. If there's one thing that you do, make sure that there's enough Holy Ghost fire on the inside of you to sustain you through the storm. It may be hard, it may be a trial, you may just sit down and not be able to pray. I've been at times in my life where I sat there and said, God, I feel like I can't even pray. But in those times, keep on praying, keep on seeking him, keep on going because you have to kindle that fire. When you're in the midst of the storm, it is crucial that you keep kindling the fire on the inside of you. Because if you don't kindle that fire, you're going to allow the enemy to convince you that it's all over. You're going to allow the enemy to get into your head. Says that he kindled the fire, and there, out of the fire, came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hands. I don't know about y'all, but I am not uh, particularly scared of snakes. Spiders do something to me. <laughs> Spiders are not. Spiders are um, a terrible thing. Uh, Anything with eight legs, it's not from this world. (laughs) So I am terrified of spiders. However, snakes, I don't know if it's just I grew up around them, and as a kid, we used to go chase them around and try to find snakes because we weren't that intelligent. Um, (laughs) Kind of like these barbarous people. (laughs) So (laughs) We've been chasing snakes, so maybe that's why I'm... if if I'm walking down the street and I see a snake, there's not really a reaction. I'm just like, oh, that's a snake, and then I'll go the other direction. Uh, but if a snake were to come and fasten itself on my hand, it might be a different story. <laughs> might be quite a different reaction to the snake that's on my hand. Uh, Paul had a reaction. The Bible says he shook the beast, into the fire and felt no harm, shook the beast off, didn't let the beast stay on his hand. You see, when we go through these situations and we're struggling just to keep our fire alive and we're just struggling just to get to church and we're, we're, we're faithful and we're, we're, we're obedient and we, we just keep on going and, and, and we're, we're fighting through it, that's when the enemy knows it's time to strike. It's like that lion that if you look on those, uh, I guess, National Geographic shows, they look for the weakest animal. They don't go for the strongest. They go for the weakest. And when we're weak, that's when the enemy feels like he can come and try to attack. And sometimes we'll get caught up because we're already feeling bad. We're already feeling down and if anything, maybe I'm the only one that does this. I'll sit there and let the enemy just talk to me and beat me down, and I'll, I'll even sometimes I'll even agree with him. I'll, yeah, you're right, absolutely, and just sit there and for a long period of time. I just got the devil sitting on my couch with me, just talking to me, talking, <laughs> talking, talking, and he's just talking in my ear. And after a little while, I start to believe him because that's not God's will. It's not God's will for us to let the snake stay on the hand. It's not God's will for us to let the devil keep talking in our ear. We ought to get something on the inside of us that starts to talk back to the devil and tell the devil you are a liar from the pit of hell. I know that I'm weak. I know that I'm struggling. I know the situation looks bad, but you don't know who my God is. My God is alive. My God is a way maker. My God will deliver me. My God will set me free. My God will heal my body. My God will provide for me. I believe God. We ought not let the devil just sit there and beat us up. If we're not careful, he'll talk us out of our breakthrough. Talk us out of our blessing. Talk us out of our deliverance. But we've got to learn when we see the beast to shake the beast off. Somebody in here, you need to shake that beast devil off you need to let that devil right now let him know who you are let him know who your god is shake that devil off shake that beast into the fire shake that devil off hallelujah i will not be defeated I will not be destroyed. I shall live. I will not die. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Paul shook the devil, shook the viper. I don't know if it was the devil, it's a snake, same thing. They're all the devil. Shook that snake right back into the fire. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said amongst themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance vengeance suffereth not to live. Just a side note, don't let folk bring up your past. Paul was a murderer, and the devil thought he was going to take Paul out. He thought, but just because of what you did in the past, that does not define who you are. I know what I did in my past, but God brought me out of my past. My past is under the blood. You ought to tell the devil right now, my past is under the blood. He called the most on the most tie, My past, it's under the blood, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. Hallelujah. Said, Yet vengeance suffereth not to live. They were waiting for him to kill over and die. Since they were barbarians, they are probably finna eat them. (laughs) They were ready to have some Paul stew. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we gonna eat good tonight. (laughs) Said they shook off the beast into the fire, felt no harm. Albeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. It should have took you out. It should have destroyed you. It should have taken you out of this world. That's what the devil meant it for. But when people see that it doesn't take you out, they're going to know that it was God that was on your side. Then look what happens. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island whose name was Publius and who received us and lodged us three days courteously and came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux. And I'm just going to quickly go over this particular point. Because Paul went through what he went through, somebody was healed. I um, asked the Lord um, at the beginning of this year, and I was sincere when I asked him. I, I told the Lord, you've been good to me. I've only been saved seven years. is seven years. God has been good. And I said, I want this year to produce fruit. For the kingdom of God. I want to pay it back. And I didn't know what I was asking for. till so God brought me to. I believe it's John chapter number 15. I'll read this real quickly. This is verse number one. I think I'm going to stay at verse number one. It says I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. There's another scripture, John 12 and 24, that he took me to. You don't have to turn there. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. In order for us sometimes to produce fruit, there has to be death. Sometimes we have to be broken in order for that seed to grow. When Jesus was talking, when he said that, what he was talking about was his own death. Bible says that he was bruised for our iniquities. Let me make sure I'm quoting this. He's wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Through his brokenness came our healing. And sometimes God will allow you to go through things because you will be a healing to somebody else. Because out of your brokenness, you will minister to somebody. Out of your brokenness, fruit will be produced. In Psalms... 126 five through six I'm going to read this real quickly once I get there 126 five through six it says they that sow in tears shall reap in joy he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. There are times where we're going to have to sow in tears. There are times when we are going to have to cry. But if there's anybody in here that feels like they've been sowing in tears, I came to tell you that there will be a harvest. I came to tell you that God will honor your tears, that that seed will grow, that there will be fruit that is produced from this. This trial and this tribulation will not go to waste. If there's anybody that's been weeping, if there's anybody that's been mourning, if there's anybody in here that's been going through that season, I want you to begin to give God praise for the joy that comes after the weeping. Let the devil know I may be crying now, but weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. You ought to go ahead and give God praise for the joy, for the harvest. There's a harvest that's coming out of your pain. There's a harvest that's coming out of your weeping. There's a harvest that's coming out of your trial. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on. Let's give God some praise. Come on. Let's bless him. Come on. The devil thought it was for evil, but God is going to turn it around for your good. He thought he was going to destroy you, but God is about to elevate you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a purpose behind this. I may not see it now, but I can feel it in my spirit. There's a purpose that's gonna come. Somebody's gonna come to God because of your testimony. Somebody's gonna be healed because of your testimony. That's right, give him praise. That's right, bless him. That's right, give him glory. You may be crying. You may be crying, but there's joy coming for the weepers. Every tear that you cried, God has it. He knows about it. He's counting them up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Higher, no more shataya, no more seeking, and a bashata. He saw total of a Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy. Yes. Ah, talaba I feel the presence of the Lord in here. Oh God, I thank you. He's healing somebody right now. There was a purpose behind it all. Oh, yes. That's right. Keep on praising him. Keep on blessing him. Keep on calling on him. He's in the room right now. You can remain standing. I got one more verse. <sighs> Acts chapter 28. And actually, if the music will come. Acts chapter 28. And then after he came to pass, and this is verse 8. And it came to pass... That the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So, when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. What happened because Paul went through what he went through was a whole island, not just one person. A whole island was healed. Paul was not somebody who was not used to this kind of thing happening. We all know the story of when Paul and Silas were in the prison. And they were in prison, probably wondering, why are we stuck in this prison? And some of you may feel like you've been in a spiritual prison. And you're wondering why you've been struggling with this spiritual prison. But the Bible says, when Paul and Silas prayed at midnight, and they began to sing hymns to the Lord, what ended up happening was A great earthquake shaked the prison. And they, all of the prisoners were loosed out of the prison. I believe that as we begin to praise God and we begin to worship one more time and we begin to lift up our hands that not only are people going to be healed out of our pain, but this whole city will never be the same because we will be able to shake the foundation of divorce in this place. We will be able to shake the foundation of alcoholism in this place. We will be able to shake the foundation of poverty in this place. I believe as we begin to lift up our voices that a great earthquake is going to take this city. The reason why you've been struggling and the reason why you've been fighting is because when God brings you out, he's bringing somebody else out. I'm not just coming out by myself but I'm bringing some people out with me. Come on, let's begin to give God some praise. Come on, let's begin to give God some glory. Come on, let's begin to Call out to him. We're calling him out. Calling out God for this city. We're calling on God for this entire city. God is bringing people out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Cry out with your voice. Come on. Cry out with your voice. Come on. Cry out with your voice. voice. Until you feel the chains begin to loose. Come on, cry out till you feel the chains begin to loose. Cry out till you feel the chains begin to loose. Come on, cry out. There's an earthquake that's about to happen. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. There's a healing in this region. There's a healing in this land. There's a healing in this nation. There's a healing that's about to come. Come on, let's begin to come on. Just call on him chains are breaking chains are breaking haiyobosi hatayabosa toyobosa